Hey there, Omaha. Welcome into another episode of Restaurant Hoppin'. I've got a fantastic guest for you today, but real quick before we get to them, I have to tell you about Certified Piedmontese because this is a brand I am so excited about. In fact, I will never forget the first time I had Certified Piedmontese. The crown jewel of my initial visit to Casa Bovina was a beautiful rib cap that was so lean and tender, it was almost silky in texture. The moment that beef hit my taste buds, I was hooked. These animals are raised all natural on a network of family ranches across the Midwest, so Certified Piedmontese is able to cut out the middleman and buy directly from the source. And while I highly encourage you to check out Casa Bovina, you can savor this beef at home, too. Whether you order off Piedmontese.com or by calling one 800 414-3487, your purchase will be shipped directly to your front door. Plus, when you use my discount code HOPPEN, H-O-P-P-E-N, you get 25% off your order. How can you beat that? So what are you waiting for? Get some steaks, burgers, bacon, or other meats and experience the certified Piedmontese difference for yourself today. And now, to my guest. Hey there, Omaha. Welcome into another episode of Restaurant Hoppin'. I'm your host, Dan Hoppin', and if you're a longtime listener of this show, you know that obviously we talk a lot about restaurants. We've also dabbled into the world of catering a little bit, but what excites me about today's conversation is we get to dive headfirst into both of those topics with one place, and that is a catered affair. I am so pumped to talk with the owners, Kathy and Scott Sylvie. Guys, welcome to the show. Thank you so much for having us. It's my pleasure. So right off the bat, want to hit people with the the address. If you're listening to this and you're like, I I have a catering need. I I need somebody awesome to take care of it. Or you hear about the cafe and you want just some epic breakfast. You can visit acaomaha.com or you can visit the cafe off 132nd and State Street. Now that we got that out of the way. Let's get into our conversation. Let's just start off from a high-level point. To you guys, what is it about a catered affair that separates you from other catering services? I think we are a scratch-made kitchen. We make literally all of our own dressings, all of our own sauces. We make all of our own spice blends. Uh, proteins are very, very important to us. Everything is fresh, never frozen. It, it really just starts with really good ingredients we keep it pretty simple, but it needs to be pretty and taste amazing. Oh, yeah. I mean, fresh chicken is probably a big key for us. And to get purveyors to get that, that's pretty hard. So, you know, and we get all of our meat locally. I mean, it's either from Nebraska or Iowa, and it's all fresh. We don't, you know. Most of the fish we get was swimming yesterday or the day before. It's all fresh fish. Um it, I think if you start with really good ingredients, you end up with a pretty amazing meal. Mm-hmm. Well, Kathy, what you just said about scratch making everything from the dressings to certain condiments, like that amazes me even more because I was going through your catering menus as I prepped for this. And like you guys will cater just about anything from a wedding to a bridal shower to a baby announcement, just anything. And the menus are just like, there's so much on there. I mean, you've got all kinds of proteins, vegetables, side dishes, breakfast, desserts. And, I mean, the variety is literally mind-boggling. I don't know how many individual, like, menu items you guys have, but I would bet it's definitely several hundred, if not close to a thousand. Just how? How do you have all these recipes? How do you make all this stuff? I know that's a dumb question, but I have to ask it. I don't know. We we just do it every day. I mean, it's it's a little, you know, our restaurant background was, was more in a corporate restaurant, and you kind of live and died by a Pemex, and now our menus are different every day. Our client mix is different. We might do breakfast um, for 300 people this morning and then not do breakfast for two or three days and then lunch for a thousand people. It's just it, you know, you just kind of hit the ground running every morning. But that's what I love about it is it's never the same. It's always different, um, and it's so much fun to see new people experience our food because it is really fun and it's pretty. Does that help keep it fresh when it when it's new every day? You're not just cooking the same dishes. You're not presenting the same thing. But it's like. Yeah, I, I've never done brunch for a funeral, you know, but that's what I'm doing today. Like, it, does that help? A hundred percent. 
I think it helps us be also more creative. Um, and our staff loves it. Uh, they each kind of have their own little areas that they're in charge of. And they love when they're making something we haven't made in a long time or something that's totally new. And we have clients sometimes call and ask us to make, you know, a gr- their grandma's recipe. Or, you know, I'm always hesitant doing that because I'm like, I, I can't make the love that they potentially put in it, but I'll do my I'll do my darndest. But that's the fun part about food is it brings people together and it's fun. Yeah, I mean, we 25 employees every day. And like today, I do all the prep sheets. So today for Friday and Saturday, they had six sheets of prep. That's just how many different items they had to do. Holy cow. You know, and they, they love it. Everybody gets their sheet and they go and... You know, we just try to get it done, and, you know, we we don't get far ahead. We always prep today for tomorrow and stuff like that, and a lot of it has to get done that day. You know, like tomorrow, one of the guys has got to cook 350 steaks by 2 o'clock because it's out the door at 3 o'clock on top of 800 pieces of chicken, and that's just <laughs> one party of the nine that are going on tomorrow. So, I mean... They're busy, you know. I mean, I left, and they were just go, 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 you know. So it's pretty cool. Well, now I almost feel bad that I'm taking you guys' time. Like, I'm so much more appreciative now that you've taken some time to come on this dopey little podcast. Oh, Thank you. we love to be here. This is yeah. amazing. So something that I'm really interested in is you guys both come from uh, re- restaurant backgrounds, and, and we'll get more into that further in our conversation, but... With the restaurant background, you can cater to uh, a customer's or a guest's needs to some extent. You can adjust some dishes. You can adjust the setting a little bit. But for the most part, there's a set menu. There's a set setting. With catering, it's Pandora's box. Yeah. I mean, the, the, a customer can come to you with wild ideas. You know, they, they there's a lot of back and forth. What are the pros and cons to just having just opening it up to all that creativity versus in the restaurant world, kind of having more of a set stable thing. It keeps me on my toes. (laughs) It's just, it it makes me think outside the box more frequently. Um, I think it keeps us a little bit more creative. Uh, We have clients that have parties that, you know, I have one client last year that we did all wild game and it was all things that he personally had gone hunting for and then we had to create a menu around that, Whoa. which was super cool. Yeah, you know, but it just keeps me on my toes. It's it it, it makes it fun and it keeps food fun for us. I think yeah. sometimes food can get monotonous, you know. Um, so it's fun to be utilizing new proteins, new recipes. That's kind of the cafe has been fun for us, to be honest with you. Um, we always say that the catering company is the muscle and the cafe is the fun part because we can throw fun specials out there. We can throw things in our deli cases that are funky or different. And really, you know, we make things that we like and we hope that other people like them as well. And that's really the philosophy, I think, on our menu. Catering and cafe, they, they both kind of are a pretty simple menu. There's just a lot of different pieces and components that we put together. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I mean, like my little pastry chef come up to me last night. She goes, because we do those cinnamon rolls and we do tons of them. She goes, how about a cinnamon loaf like such and such and such and such? I said, no, let's be our own person and develop a different kind of loaf that's not a loaf. Make it funky like we are. You know, I said, you have the toy to play, just play with it. And I said, you're making cinnamon rolls tomorrow. Just throw something different in a pan, see how it comes out, and let's go. I mean, that's how we go. We just play with food every day. You know, if we have an extra hour or so, we go, okay, who's got a recipe? And then we play with it. And then it, if it goes, it goes. And if it doesn't, we goes to the side and we try something new, you know. We also do team lunch every day, so our whole staff eats lunch kind of as a family because um, we, tr- we we consider our staff to our, be our family. We work <laughs> together so much and spend so much time together, and it used to become a little daunting to make lunch every day for 30 people, and so we uh, started probably six months ago. 
we split everybody into groups of two, the girls in the office, the guy that washed the dishes. Literally, we match everybody up, and there's a calendar, and everybody makes gets two times a month that they have to make lunch. They can make whatever they want. They can go in our walk-in. They can pick anything and make lunch for everybody. They can do beverages. They can get as extravagant yeah. as they want. They can be as simple as they want. Um, but I think that's created some yeah. of our menus that were like, holy cow, that's I mean, we amazing. we got people from El Salvador, Honduras, Mexico, California, the East Coast. So we get all kind of crazy lunches, which is cool. Well, I would imagine that's really good for your staff, too, in, in two ways. Not only does it create, like, a fun lunch experience for everyone who's just eating every day, but it also gives a creative outlet for your staff members who you're not just saying, okay, here are our recipes that we've created. Now you replicate them, but you're giving them a chance to say, okay, show us your voice. Sh show us, you know, what you have to say, your background. Like we want to hear it and it might go on the menu. Like I just, yeah. I think that's so cool. And I can only imagine that's huge for employee engagement. It's just fun. It's just fun. It, and it's fun to see what they make, you know, and it's fun to see like the gals in the office come out kind of not not knowing what to do and they get an apron on you know and they think it's you know crazy but it also creates such an environment that we preach teamwork all the time but it really does create that dynamic that everybody's here helping each other out whether you're in the office answering the phone you're in the back you know pulling all the chafing sets and polishing all the glassware or you're the guy chopping onions all day you know so everybody kind of helps everybody out so which is fun I, I love that philosophy. Oh, yeah. It's just a big team, you know. I mean, there'll be times Kathy will come out of the office and go, hey, I got to order ASAP, and I'll have to go yell, stop. <laughs> and everybody stops, and we just hit that order and knock it out and get out the door, which is it's pretty cool. I love that. Another element, which I don't know that you know, but we also do most of the aviation catering for private jets. I saw that, yeah. And holy cow, that's bananas. <laughs> um, but those are such a different clientele, and a lot of those orders are last minute. And so a lot of times someone will call and be like, I need, you know, a platter of shrimp and six sandwiches, two bottles of wine, and I need it there in an hour because they're leaving in an hour and a half. And it's all hands on deck, which is super fun. Yeah. So um, Berkshire weekend for that is definitely bananas with all those airplanes that come into Omaha. We had experienced that for the first time last year, so we're a little bit better prepared, I think, this yeah. year. But same thing. There's just there's so many balloons in the air for us. I feel like that's how I spend my day is I just run around and I tap every balloon so that none of them hit the ground, you know. But I it's it's organized chaos typically, and you just kind of go with it. But yeah. it is fun to do things that are kind of low and then super high and everything in between. That's a really beautiful visual. And do you just <laughs> making sure I all mean, the balloons are staying the, yeah. in the air? Truthfully, that's my day every day. I, I just. She does that. I have to worry that we have all the food and everything. I mean, I live on Instacart. We have big semis that come three times a week. We have produce that comes six times a week. We have fish three times. It's just, I, I have a cart that has a board on it with all the order sheets. And all I do is make sure we have product. And it's crazy, you know, and I'm so thankful. Instacart, I mean, I can do that six or seven times a day to get stuff there in 30 minutes and, you know, save an employee from driving around and mm -hmm. all that. I mean, our walk-in is probably twice the size of this room. i got to take you in there. I should have. You, you would freak our, on that kitchen. I think our walk-in is the craziest. That's just crazy how big it is and filled and the amount of groceries in and out of there. And then we have one little freezer. So we don't freeze really anything. Everything I mean, you can is drive fresh. a forklift in the cooler. What? Yes. Yeah. It has forklift door on it. Okay. Well, now, as if I needed another reason to come back in, come back. Now, now I have like. You come back and then come back at the lunch hour and we'll take you back there when it's hitting the fan. The walk in, <laughs> it freaks me out because the amount of groceries in there that go out every day, I mean, the amount of food. It's just such a production. And, you know, when we started this, we started in 800 square feet. And it was just him and I. And we cooked everything. We washed every dish. That was we, 15 years ago you know, this month. We uh -huh. would go 
wait till we delivered lunch and then we'd come back and wait 20 minutes and then call and be like, so how was everything and try and act kind of cool. Um, and it's just crazy to see where we've evolved from that. We have this 8,000 square foot building. So there's just so much going on that it kind of, it humbles me a little bit. It's pretty yeah. crazy. So, and fun also for our clients now that come in the cafe that were clients of a catered affair 15 years ago. And they're like, just can't believe you guys have built this huge thing from just this little idea. So also really fun. A lot of our clients have been along for the ride, which are also amazing. And I want to get more into that little idea. We're going to hit that really soon. But first, I, I want to ask you, because you mentioned the wild game dinner. What are some of the other like most memorable events that you've catered? Like when you think of man, that was a crazy one, or that was a really fun idea or something. What are the first catering events that pop to the front of your mind? Mine is Rotella's. Yeah, we, um, the Rotella family is an amazing family, but they're a great client. And Mr. Rotella was turning 70. So I got the pleasure of sitting down with Mrs. Rotella and going over Rotella's family Italian recipes that their grandmothers used to make. That's a lot of pressure <laughs> oh to replicate gosh, that. Gosh, you have no idea. Um, and so, in the the amount of love that went into those recipes, yeah. and we we duplicated that recipe, and Mrs. and Mr. Rotella were like, "You nailed it! You made my grandma's sauce that." It reminded me of my, you know, which was just the most amazing compliment. It was so. funny. They, you know, we had to do the red sauce, the meatballs, these green olives that we had to smash and marinate. And so funny, they would show up at the back door with breadcrumbs already done and go, these have to go in this and this has to go in that. And it was amazing. But it, yeah, was, it was it was scary. It was probably one of the funnest parties I've ever done. Like it was just so lovely. And again, it kind of food brings you back to that family love, you know, it, the memories that that gave people, you know, was really cool. Um, so that would, I agree. That yeah. would probably be probably one of the most memorable. We also did a wedding um, for another client that was about 600 people all served family style. Oh boy. So when it was grilled fillets and to cook fillets for 600 people and then serve everything family style and have it all be hot and perfect. And it was amazing. So yeah. kind of you get through the stress of those and then to get to the other side and be like, oh, my gosh, to celebrate these moments with people are, are yeah. just remarkable. Mm -hmm. The wild game one was pretty. And what, the wild game tricky, event was pretty you know, crazy. I mean, trying to track down all that game from oh, we had to get buffalo. We had to get wild boar i mean i'm getting stuff shipped from all over the country and to create menus for that you know of queso and wild boar and we had to make sliders with like deer and it was, it was just a it was just fun to see that those all guys come together. were overwhelmed with it it was know? cool it was really cool, cool. Yeah. what was amazing is the the event was hosted at someone's home and it was his hunting cabin and it was outside in beautiful Nebraska, like in the fall, you know, just pic picturesque. It was just lovely, you know, kind of what you think people have such a funny connotation of, of Nebraska and it's just such a beautiful place. And then to kind of see people enjoy those things together was pretty amazing. Yeah. So, yeah. Now, I think a lot of people are probably like me in that until a couple of years ago, I'd never really given a whole lot of thought to the, lo the logistics behind catering and whenever I had I went to an event that was catered it was just like oh the food showed up it's in warmers whatever and then my wife and I started watching the show Top Chef and every once in a while they would say okay you know we're, you have to cater this event for x number of people you're going to prep for five hours in the kitchen then you're going to go there you have like an hour to prepare for, for service and it just took these restaurant chefs and like cut them at the knees and yeah. they were just playing a whole new ball game. And I yeah. was like, this is so much more. And when I started thinking about it and even just preparing for this podcast, I'm like, I mean, you have to find a way to transport the food without it shifting too much. You have to find a way to present it beautifully. You have to find a way to keep food warm without it overcooking 
for sometimes several hours. Like yeah. the logistics behind all this just about broke my brain. So I would love for you guys to just kind of, this is your opportunity to pull back the curtain. Like what do us diners not understand about catering that is just so difficult, fun, invigorating, tough, wherever you want to take that question. Just, we don't understand catering because we haven't done it. Yeah. Tell me about it. You kind of nailed it, I think. <laughs> um, I, I think some of the obstacles that we face uh, is a lot of times you're arriving somewhere and it's a mixed bag. You can be showing up, you know, somewhere that has a kitchen and a warming oven and tables. I've showed up places where it's literally dinner for three or 400 people and it's a closet and there isn't even a hand sink. You know, you have to go in the bathroom to get water to fill the chafing sets with. Oh so, <laughs> you know, it's, you know, and I, I credit my staff big time because they do such a good job of just adapting. And, you know, I, I tell my employees a lot, my, you know, you have to be a duck is what I tell them. And they all look at me like, oh, geez, what are you talking about? Calm on the surface. You just gotta, feet are going crazy yeah, underneath. Yeah, like you got to look like nothing's, nothing, no worries. Everything is amazing. But underneath, you might be, you know, your feet are going 500 miles an hour. And you just got to adapt and change. It took us probably two or three years to figure out how to transport food properly, the, the best temperatures that food need to be leaving the kitchen, um, and there's temps you, we cook to and hold to because you, you, you can't overcook it. break the laws, it. it means it's going to be overcooked. Like we have certain temperatures for steaks. If they, they cannot go over that. But they'll hold in a hot box for six hours and rise up to like a medium, you know, and chicken's the same way. We cook, we cook to temp, and they're like, we're only cooking to that. I go, it's fine. Because then you hold it in a hot box. Yeah. You have to really think through. There's a there's a great difference between cooking a piece of chicken, putting it on a plate, and sending it directly out to a table versus dinner that's three hours from now. Mm-hmm. You know? Also, you know, some of the gals that work in the kitchen, I, I pick on them a little bit because they could go to the Olympics for how they wrap things with saran wrap. Because <laughs> yeah. you have to wrap everything tightly so nothing moves. Everything has to be super tight and then a lot of things we do kits for so when we arrive on site we assemble things when we get there we put things together when we get there you know Um, sauces flowers parsleys and you know different garnishes um charcuterie boards we'll take a kit somewhere and make a charcuterie board for 300 people on site so you got to kind of you almost need like a moving truck to get all the things where they need to go sometimes Um, i mean we have to rent vans once in a while and you know i mean we have a few cars but there's weekends i'm like we need cars <laughs> you know and it's pretty funny so but I, I i like the fact that every day is radically different i mean radically different it sounds like it and yeah. it it keeps it fun it keeps yeah. it there's a little stress involved in that but i think i kind of i that's kind of my junkie you know that's my that's my kryptonite, I guess they call it. So it keeps me moving and thinking oh, yeah. and always just striving to be better, I think. I think we're always just, how can we how can we do things a little better? How can we work just a little bit smarter and a little less hard, you know? So you got to keep it as simple as you possibly can. I mean, that's what we found out with the cafe. We can put stuff out there and go, that's really selling that much? Really? Maybe we should put it on the catering menu because that's, <laughs> that's where we get to play is with, uh, you know, the cafe. Like we put we put a short rib rigatoni out there this week and it is just blowing up, you know, with a Italian wedding soup that I'm like, nobody's going to buy that. And yesterday we sold out and I'm like, really? I, I think that also, you know, when we redo our catering menus, it might be six months before we serve something that's new on the menu because if you book your party today for your wedding, you know, obviously you're planning things much in advance. So sometimes I'll be like, God, I don't even remember what that is. We put it on the menu so long ago. <laughs> yeah. So the cafe, we can have instant gratification and have instantly people, yeah. you know, gravitate to different things. So I think that we, that's why we kind of say the cafe is our fun part. 
Because you do have instant, you know, gratification that the menu items that you're putting out there as specials or new items, um, it's kind of fun to watch. I mean, they all laugh at me because I have 50 yellow pads with recipes and I'll go, it's on a yellow pad somewhere. I'll just, just go try to find it, you know. Well, we used to like rip box tops off. We used to give him a hard time. Really? And he'd, he'd get an idea of something, and so he'd rip a box top off, and he'd start writing. And I'm like, no, <laughs> let me get you a yeah. pad of paper. Pain, my, my son was out there. He goes, Dad, where's the specs for such and such? And I, got, I was thinking I had to go backwards. And I went, oh, it's in the liquor room because I was counting the liquor on the same pad. <laughs> I said, but it's four sheets in and there. And he goes in there. He goes, he just starts shaking his head, you know. Hey there, listeners. We'll get back to my guest in a minute, but I got to remind you one more time about Certified Piedmontese. There are certain moments in your life that are so remarkable, you'll just never forget them. I distinctly remember the first time that I watched LeBron James play basketball and the first time I saw the original Star Wars. The sheer awe I had in those moments changed the way I look at basketball and movies, respectively, moving forward. The same goes to steak, thanks to Certified Piedmontese. The rib cap at Casa Bovina is so rich, decadent, and fork tender that it is seared into my brain. But you don't have to dine at Casa Bovina to have that same life-changing experience. This beef is so delicious, even the average home cook can look like a superstar using these steaks, roasts, and ground beef. Trust me, I know from experience. Check out all the options on CertifiedPiedmontese.com and use my promo code HOPPEN. H-O-P-P-E-N for 25% off your order. It's time to start creating new beef-centric memories that'll stay with you forever. And now, back to my guest. Well, this seems like a good opportunity to get into the cafe a little bit. And honestly, that was kind of my grand introduction to Cater Fair. Because I'd had you guys' food at a couple events, and it was very good. But when I came into the cafe, and I had breakfast one day, like my affection for your food jumped about eight levels. It was just spectacular. And and I think it's so much about what you guys talked about. You just have so much more control over, you know, putting a plate in front of somebody versus cooking something ahead of time, transporting it, and then pr- potentially presenting it to them hours later. So the, the, the cafe opened in 2021. How long was that idea on you guys' radar? Or in your head. So um, we had we had kind of gotten the plans for our building. Um, we were supposed to break ground right before COVID. So we broke ground November before COVID. So we were we were getting ready, like we were ready to go, but we weren't quite. We hadn't signed everything. Everything wasn't a go, and then COVID hit, and I pulled all the reins back, and I'm like, oh my gosh, I have no idea what the world's going to look like. So we put we shelved it for a year. And kind of when things seem to be like, okay, the world's going to come back. My, our original idea was to put, um, have someone lease the front out as a coffee component, whether, you know, back then scooters or crane or somebody. And I called them and all of them, their responses were, you can buy a franchise. And I'm like, I don't want a franchise. So I quickly just pivoted and said, you know what, let's just do our own thing. I forgot about that. Mm-hmm. And it just kind of became our um, our love child, I guess. You know, like we both just kind of talked about, well, we could do this or we could do that. And then as we proceeded through COVID, you know, I think everybody that that made it through that obviously had to pivot their businesses. Um, and we went from making, you know, huge event to small dinners for four people. And that's how we made it through COVID. And people would come pick dinner up, you know, hot, you know, cold with heating instructions. We'd run these special menus. We'd deliver them to people's houses. And that's kind of where our deli case came from. And the feedback we got from most of our clients during COVID was the best thing is I don't have to do dishes. Because everybody likes to cook, kind of, but they don't really like to cook and they really don't like to have to clean up. So they could pick things up from me get things, you know, dinner on the table pretty quickly for their kids or their husband. Um, And we decided the deli cases up front needed to be all of that grab-and-go food that we have there now, whether it's complete meals or sides, proteins. We have soup in there, queso dip. We just fill it. I always describe it as kind of like a farmer's market. 
And then I didn't know one thing about coffee, zero. Um, I did a little bit of homework and I met um, the folks at Hardy and I partnered with them. I loved the local element that they roast everything here locally. Um, and they're my coffee partner. And I learned how to make coffee and lattes. I never in a million years thought I'd figure that out. Oh, yeah. And then we just started making items on the menu that I couldn't find. I felt like we would go out to dinner and out to breakfast and out to lunch, and everything was just mediocre. Like, it, it was okay. Like, nothing, there was, a, you know, we gravitate to a lot of the same places because either the food's great, the service is great. And every time we would venture out to something else, it was just like, okay. So we just did a simple menu. We did the things we like to eat. And um, kind of the same philosophy, really good ingredients. Um, bread is huge to me. Um, I think you got to have great bread, no matter what you put between it. If like the bread, when we get shipped in from Jersey. Like if the bread isn't great, it doesn't matter what's between it, whether it's a breakfast sandwich, a tuna melt, whatever. So good Lord, we tried bread from everywhere. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. um, we have a great sourdough. Um, we do all of our croissants in-house, um, the cinnamon rolls. Bagels. And we make our own bagels. You know, I if you would have told me a couple years ago that I was going to make my own bagels, I would have yeah. been like, not a possibility. But we just, we've tried to keep, we have to be real careful because that menu could get away from us. So we just try and keep it very simple. limited, very simple. I don't, you know, we have one hamburger. But it's the best burger ever. You know, we grind all of our own beef. Um, it has four different types of meat in it. Um, we just and and really a lot of butter. Every we we oh, put butter on everything. The amount of butter we and go through is crazy. I think, you know, everything starts with a stick of butter. And we life. probably go through 10, 15 cases of butter. Don't tell me that. Yeah. I, when I come into yeah. a catered affair, yeah. I'm getting a healthy meal. Yeah. This is not yeah. a cheap meal. Everything starts with butter, I think. So, but butter makes everything better. You know, let's but be the cafe that was really we were gonna, you know, make it a tenant, and then we once we started thinking about it, and then my younger son, I have two kids. My younger son is an artist, madly talented. He lives in Kansas City, um, and I wanted to have something for a vehicle for him. Um, he was also in a mentoring program through Joslyn called Kent Bellows that was just amazing for him in high school. And so we opened that up to other local artists. And so we don't charge the artists for the artwork that's for sale. We just ask that they donate part of the proceeds, what they make, um, to Kent Bellows. So that helps high school students. And then some of the artwork is my son's. And then we have different ceramics. We have two different ceramics folks that we work with. We have a glass Heidi um, that used to own the blue pomegranate and the glass works beautiful and then funky food that we sell in there as our retail um, I literally just buy things that I like so if no one buys it I just take it home but we have olive oils and sauces and seasonings and you know I got a little crazy on dish towels during Christmas so we had a lot of dish towels <laughs> there for a minute um, but just soup just fun just fun you know I just try to keep stuff up there that I guess I like and hopefully other people like them as well mm -hmm. oh yeah I just tell people I said we're bougie but we're down to earth <laughs> <laughs> we're bougie but we're down to earth if yeah. you guys ever need a new slogan I think that's it just I, put I, it put it on a t-shirt right now I'll buy it okay. yeah, yeah. Uh, so you said something really interesting there, Kathy, in that you you try to keep the menu really pared down and don't have a ton of things on it. And you've done a good job of that. The, the menu is probably, if I had to guess, between 15 and 25 menu yeah. items between breakfast, a couple lunch options, and then obviously whatever you've got in the pastry counter. But, I mean, just talking to you guys, you are wildly creative people. I mean, you've got, Scott, you're writing down ideas on lists and leaving them all over the place. Kathy, I can tell your mind is constantly thinking of new things. Obviously, you know, we talked about how vast your catering menu is. I'm sure you look at some of those catering things and you're like, I bet this would sell really well in the cafe too. Oh, yeah. How do you constrain yourself and decide, no, no, no. These are the very select dishes that we're going to keep in the cafe. Maybe, you know, we can put this one on a rotating special or something. But how do you keep that menu so concise when you guys' brains are just so creative? Well, she calms me down because I'll be like, let's put this on there. Let's, 
let's put that. And she's like, no, keep it simple. Run specials. And I, just I run. That's just, how you keep that I, balloon in the I, air? Yes. <laughs> it's just a balloon that I have to keep. I, I just think, I, I think that's the demise of a lot of restaurants. You can't do everything. Yep. And everybody would like to do everything, but you can't do everything. On my catering menu, I can because I don't make all of those things every day. And I have such a forecast of when those things are needed. I've got days in advance to prepare for those. But when people sit down in that chair in the cafe, I don't know what they're going to order. And if I don't set myself up to be successful, I, I need to keep it simple and keep it small so we can properly execute those I mean, items. everything on that menu is it's made fresh. I mean, those burgers, we have to... We grind four meats, and we keep it usually once a week we grind it. And then, like the sausage that we put in the burritos, we grind that once or twice a week. And we have the pork belly. We have the short ribs. So those are a lot of time-consuming items that we have to keep. You know, I mean, even our tuna, the tuna fish that we make, has it has to have – it has the kitchen sink in it. But it is to die for, you know. And – I'm, I'm just... Fig I, jam. We make our own fig jam, you know. I think I've seen so many restaurants that they try to do so many things. And I I just, I want to not ever do that. I just want to keep... I would rather take items off and add a new item and keep it. It can't get any bigger. The, yeah. the piece of paper that it's on, the font is not allowed to change. And it can only be front and back. There's nothing else that yeah. gets added to it. So if we can keep it in that, then that's the only. And then we we do do specials. So we're running soup in the winter. Um, this was the first special this week we're doing a rigatoni. We're doing a pasta, pasta we dish. We usually do sandwiches. So that's kind of a you know new thing out in the cafe. But we'll have other new specials, and we'll probably do things throughout the spring um, that we'll kind of have fun with. You know, it reminds me of Block 16. They keep theirs pretty simple mm-hmm. and down to earth, and that's why I always say bougie down to. They're bougie, down to earth. I mean, and they're a big hit on Facebook, and I always see what they're doing. I'm like, that's a good idea. I said that's a good idea for them, but I don't think I can do it. But they're killing it, and that's what we try to do. Stuff like that, do do like a couple funky things here and there, you know, and. Uh, that's what makes it fun. You know, you can go outside the box and do it, you know, where our catering menu, it's pretty set, you know. And like you were saying, we have stole stuff off our catering menu and put it on our uh, cafe menu, like that firecracker chicken sandwich, which sells like hotcakes. That is our main main deal on our catering menu. I mean, it's a dinner chicken. It's an appetizer it has shrimp. I mean, it's it's nuts. It's you know, and that's what makes it fun because you can mix and match, but still play. Mm-hmm. So, I love that you guys keep it simple. I would so much rather go to a restaurant that has ten menu items than one that has fifty, because I know that those ten, those processes, those recipes have been tried and tested and honed in, and who's ever making them has made them, God knows how many times. And it is, I know that it's going to be good. Whereas a pla- if a place is doing pasta and burgers and, uh, y- y- you know, name whatever it might be, yeah. like, it's just kind of like, eh, do you have a focus? So I-, I love that you guys keep it real concise. I would also like, we would rather work on a better ingredient on that one yes. dish yeah. versus bringing a new dish in. I would rather say, well, let's try this sauce or let's find a different bread or let's, those components, I think, are what I find to be um, fun. And then we also taste everything every day. So we yeah. go through and we, you know, taste every single but thing down the line. I go through 50 spoons a day. And then. Everything we make, is t- I just walk around and what everybody's making, we just taste it. And, you know, you go up on the line, taste the Caesar dressing, make sure it's good. And, you know, Evelyn might be making her guacamole and go taste that. And, you know, you got to taste it. If you ever get tired of doing that, I, I'll put in my resume to apply for that job. Just the the taster, I'll walk around with my spoons and just try everything. And I'll probably just tell you it's all amazing. And you'll be like, this isn't helpful feedback. Yeah. But anyway, yeah. it, it's it the offer is out there. There you go. Um, 
individually, how did each of you get into cooking in the hospitality industry originally? I started when I was 14 in an ice cream shop at the University of North Florida. Wow. And then I moved to the cafeteria and became a short order cook and did that for a while because my my stepmom was the cafeteria manager. And then I just, you know, be bopped around into places. And then back in 87, I moved to Tampa, worked at Steak and Ale, left Steak and Ale, went to Outback Steakhouse, uh, fought over 50 cents to get a job. Scott got hired as the grill cook at $6 an hour. And the, after, what, your second shift, they gave you 50 cents. And then that was the very first restaurant Outback had. And, like, two weeks later, the kitchen manager got in an accident. And so they made Scott his kitchen manager, and that's kind of how, yeah. wow. you know, crazy. And then I traveled to South Florida. We, we opened up, what, 25? That's where we met. Yeah, how did you guys meet? At Outback. So I was in college. I got a job working at a restaurant called Bennigan's, and I waited tables, bartended, um, went into management. I really liked it. My parents were thrilled um, with that. And the guy I worked for, who was a, just became a great friend of mine, um, he had kind of gotten – he was getting ready to leave, and he said he had an opportunity to go run a wing restaurant and then – Outback was just starting, and so he had taken um, another colleague of mine and myself out to dinner, and it was the first time we flew to Tampa. And he said, what do you think? And we were both kind of like, you're an idiot if you don't do this. This is awesome. Um, and so we both left, and I went to work for him, and he, was, he opened um, the, all the restaurants in South Florida. And one night um, at an opening, I met Scott, and my boss told me to stay away from him, <laughs> which was kind of like a, you know, a dare to me. And so he and I met doing openings and we traveled around the country and opened restaurants. We both opened about 100 restaurants for Outback. Wow. And then we got married and had an opportunity. We moved to Oklahoma and lived in Oklahoma City for a year. And then they were opening this market in Omaha uh, in the mid-90s. And so we moved here and opened the two Outback Steakhouses here in Omaha. We ran those for 10 years. And then the corporate restaurant world was kind of changing a little bit. The, the restaurant landscape in Omaha was changing quite a bit. And our kids were in school. We have two, young, two boys. And Outback was a dinner-only restaurant. So we were like, well, let's start a catering company. And so... Um, we started our catering company in 2007 and haven't kind of haven't looked back since. No. So um, we started literally we rented a storefront and made it a kitchen. It was just he and I. I mean, we threw pots and pans at each other sometimes, um, but we figured it out. So yeah. it's pretty crazy. Well, what is fascinating about that story, and I would love to dive deeper into it. I don't know if, if we have the time, but in no no part of that story did I hear the word catering until let's opening a catering company. So where did, where does that, like who had that idea? where did that idea come from? I had always just in the back of my mind. Tell me about the trip. Tell we, me about the trip. So we, we left Outback and we took six weeks off and our kids were six and eight and we put them in our car and we literally went, on just like a six-week vacation. We went to Yellowstone. We spent Montana. some time in the Tetons, Montana. We went up into Idaho. We came down through California. We went through the Grand Canyon, down into New Mexico. and just So on that trip, I go, what the hell are we doing? Because we didn't have a job. <laughs> <laughs> and we, we just had kind of lengthy conversations about it. And I said, let's just... Let's let's go for it. I mean, there, I didn't really know anything about the catering business, but I knew a lot about the food business, and I knew a lot about people. And you know, I I just knew that and people thought we were crazy. Yeah, everyone told us we were crazy. I couldn't be able to do. You that. know, my my family was like, 
what are you doing? You know, you worked at Outback for 20 years. You were, you know, a managing partner there. You're, you're going to walk away. You know, what are you doing? And it's the best thing we ever did. Everyone thought we were crazy. Um, and the fun part is our kids have grown up in this business. Um, my son now works for us. He, you know, helps us run our kitchen, you know, and people sometimes will ask him, he's like, I grew up doing this. I spent my life scooping cookies, washing dishes, you know, best, best training ground you could ever have. And it's fun to watch him kind of evolve, um, and, and grow in the business. So, um, but yeah, I don't know. We, it was just something we just kind of, it was our brainchild. We just decided to go for it. I think our first menu had six items on it. What was the first menu? Do you um, remember? Yeah. I remember the first order. It, it had, what was the first order? It was for Clayton. Oh, yeah. It was a lunch menu. We had a friend that was a pharmaceutical rep. And he's like, well, I do lunch. Can you do a lunch for me? And you we were for like. For 50 people? For 50 people. And we were like, oh, my God. We'll figure it out. I think we dirtied every pan we owned. Everything we, uh, I mean, it was the hardest you lunch know, I think salad, we ever did. sandwiches, six or seven sides, and, you know, I was like, How are we going to do this? So, How are we transport? We didn't know what we were going to put everything yeah, in. Yeah, we literally just so figured it So we're at Hobby out. Lobby looking for <laughs> stuff, and, you know, and it took us a little while to figure it out. I mean, it took, we're still figuring it out. Yeah. But even yeah. I had a client that called the other day that has been a pharmaceutical rep for, I mean, 15 years. And, I mean, in the early days, we would go troll the elevators. We would go to the hospitals yeah. with our business cards, and we'd see pharmaceutical reps with their lunches carrying all the bags, and I'd hand him my card, and I'd be like, give me a call. We can deliver that for you. Yeah. <laughs> and that's really how we started our business. We and cold we called people. One, I remember that one Christmas party in What's-Her-Name's house, and we were in a little – she had a hideaway door we had to hide in with all the food, and then – I remember just sitting there on a milk crate because I, I couldn't stand in it. Yeah, it was know. a closet. <laughs> like, literally, it was it a was closet. It was the first Christmas party we ever did. I'm like, Man. I think there was, I think we we called all of our friends to work it for us. Yeah. Because we didn't have any employees. And so we had two of our friends bartend. We had two other people help us. You know, and I think it was probably for, like, 80 people or something now. It's crazy you know? to see And that. now, you know, we wouldn't even... We'd send two people to that and not even think about it. You know, now we have it's so interesting. 65 employees. You know, so it's it's funny to think back in those early days. But we figured it out. I mean, yeah. it was interesting. Well, take take me back a step. How did you figure it out? Because we've talked about, a little bit about at least, how different the restaurant world is from the catering world. So when you decide, hey, we're going to open a catering company until that first lunch that you did – like, what did you do to research and learn about how to become a catering company? How did you level up your catering game? I mean, it, food is food. So in my mind, we just had to have great food. The components that went with it, we, we in, in doing a lot of openings across the country, I think that gave um, both of us such a good um feel for you have to adapt you also have to adapt to what the market wants you know when we initially started our catering company in my mind I was like oh we'll make all these lunches and people will come pick them up nobody's picking things up so we quickly changed and figured out how to deliver things and how to package things to be delivered for people um, and really I mean we didn't utilize social media until the pandemic. I mean, we didn't really post anything yeah. online um, to my own personal demise, you know? I mean, I don't even have a Facebook, so I... That's healthy, trust you know, me. Like, <laughs> but I think that that's such an element that had we utilized that better early on, you know, it, it would have helped us. But everything to me, everything comes back to just relationships. I made relationships with clients um, people knew that I was reliable. They knew it was going to be good, needed to be reasonably priced. And if you, and if you just kind of had that basic, I think regardless of what your business is, if you utilize that premise and you just do the, you just do the best job you can every day, you're going to do a good job. Mm -hmm. Um, and we honestly, we just figured it out. It wasn't like I read a book 
It wasn't like, you know, I went to some class. I, I didn't, we didn't do any of that. We literally no. just very grassroots figured it out. Um, but we also were very involved in the minutia of every single component from estimates to menus to every, I worked every party for probably the first five years we were open, literally. And if I, you know, I might not have been there the whole time, but I worked every party. What do you think were the most important lessons about catering you think you learned in those first couple years in the transition from restaurant world to catering world? Failure is not an option. Yeah. <laughs> if something wasn't right, you had to figure out how to fix it. So if you, like I remember I showed up to a party for like several hundred people and I opened the pan and all the meatballs were raw. <gasps> and I'm like, oh my God. So quickly throw somebody in a car, get all the meatballs, call them. You got to make these fresh right now, get them in the oven. And you had to turn it so that you could fix everything. So you have to be able to adapt and fix things and always be thinking one or two steps ahead on everything that you're doing. And, you know, to the credit of, you know, the, the people that work for us, most of our employees have been with us a long time. They have the same critical thinking. They're always thinking ahead. They're not thinking about one thing. They're thinking about the next four things. Same with our event staff. They do a great job of forward thinking how I'm going to set this up, how I'm going to refill things, where I'm going to keep things, how I'm going to rearrange this refrigerator so I can keep all the cold food cold. You, you have to be able to adapt to those things. And a lot of people can't do that. A lot of people need to, to have a very specific box of exactly how they do things. This isn't the job for them. You have to be able to change things up and, and fix things rapidly. And if you make a mistake, own it. You go to the, you know, you go to the person and say, I'm, I'm really sorry. We had an event one time that I didn't serve something because I didn't, they burnt it. And I'm like, I'm not serving that. And the client wasn't very happy, but I said, you know, I'm, I'm really sorry. We've got these 47 others, you know, it was a big appetizer party. We had tons of appetizers, but this, you know, they, we had pigs in a blanket that they, I didn't feel comfortable serving. And you have to be able to stand your guns on some of those things. People may not love that, but you have to stand those, stand your ground on those things. Mm -hmm. Oh, obviously adaptability you just mentioned is a part of your everyday lives, your everyday jobs. That was adaptability was the name of the game during COVID. And you kind of mentioned this earlier, Kathy, where, you know, you're going from catering parties of hundreds of people. It's all of a sudden, no, no, now we're feeding a family of four. Wildly different circumstances there. How much do you think your adaptability and just the difference in every day, like you talked about it, and just knowing how to adjust on the fly, how much did that help you? when all of a sudden everything just got thrown against the wall with COVID? We wouldn't have made it if we didn't do that. I mean, from adapting to the menu to having all of the products. I mean, you couldn't, there was a lot of things you couldn't get. You couldn't get different food products. You'd order one container to package things one week, and then that wouldn't be available ever again. <laughs> so you'd have to find another component to that. Um, honestly, Restaurant Depot was a huge help here in Omaha because you could go as opposed to Cisco or, a, you know, a paper supplier that you could go physically say, I want these boxes, I want these lids, um, and you could go get product there much easier. That took I mean, a little while to figure, you know I mean? I think we were only closed a couple of days. I don't, not I don't even. Mean, not even, you know, I mean, because I was like, what are we going to do? And then, you know... I was on Instagram. I go, here's what we got to do. Do this family of four. Do this. Because I follow a dozen catering companies all over the country. And, you know, they were flipping fast to that. And I go, we got to be on this bandwagon and go fast with this and make it awesome and delicious. And, you know, and it worked and it got us through, you know. So we did some other stuff, though. We fed some people at UNMC. We took care of a lot of the policemen. Um, in our old shop, we had a fire department behind us. You just, you know, you just have to come together. I think everybody did that a little bit. Yeah. But if you weren't ready to to drastically change what you were doing, I, I think had we not been used to 
adapting to different things and changing quickly. I think that's the, a lot of people just get set in their mind, especially in the restaurant business. They think that this is what they want and how they see things should be, that that's what everyone else is going to want. And you, you have to listen to your customers, whether, regardless of your business, but especially in the restaurant industry, listen to what your customers are telling you, listen to what they're saying, ask them, um, and then give them what they want. <laughs> but some people get so stuck in their mind that they're going to make a certain dish the way they make it. They're not willing to ad- adjust it or, or change it to fit what people are looking for. And I think that's, you know, one of the things that we do well is we do listen to what our customers tell us, mm-hmm. you know? Mm-hmm. I mean, we're always out in that cafe talking and I don't, I'm always talking to them going, Hey, we're going to probably change our menu. We're going to get rid of this and get rid of that. And they're like, what? <laughs> and then I hear, don't you or, dare. And then I hear it two or three times and then I go, okay, maybe I need to go look on the PMEX and see if it really is the last item on that PMEX, you know? And, uh, like we had, um, planks on our menu, which were basically like avocado toast, um, salmon toast. And there was a gal that comes in all the time and she was devastated that we took that off the menu. She's like, oh, I just love the salmon plank. And I'm like, well, we have the bagel platter. You could just get that and sub in the sourdough toast. <gasps> well, I didn't know I could do that. I said, we still have all the components. You just, it, it's just made a little bit differently, you know, but you were the only person that ordered that. <laughs> <laughs> So we just needed to, you know, change it up a little bit. Uh-huh. So kind of fun. Now, uh, we're running a little short on time, but there's a story that I found doing my research that I have to talk to you about during during COVID. Because uh, I, I know, I mean, that was a tough time for everyone in the restaurant industry. But as we talked about, especially catering, and I saw in a news article, Kathy, you said that from March of 2020, so like basically when COVID started to June of 2020, your sales were down 90% from what they would normally be during that period, which it sounds just devastating. Obviously, you guys made it, which is amazing, and I'm very, very happy. But in that same story, you you talked about this one guy who bought family-style meals and bottles of wine for all his neighbors. And you just talked about it a little bit in that story about how impactful that was and how you remembered that. What is it about that? story and that guy's generosity that resonated with you so much? I think that people are not kind anymore. And that was just such a genuine kind act. It, 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 he didn't, it wasn't a lot of money. You know, it wasn't like, here's this big extravagant gift. It wasn't, Hey, look at me, look at what I'm doing for you. It was just, he bought all of his neighbors dinner and he bought them all a bottle of wine. And like, when we delivered that to all of his neighbors, I mean, one lady cried. She's like, this is the nicest thing anyone's ever done for me. You know what I mean? Like, and during those times, people were so like isolated and scared. And also people were cooking for themselves that didn't normally cook. So some people don't cook very well. <laughs> yeah. My, my so, hand is raised You know right what I mean? Now, like, yes. I, and I don't, you know, everyone has talents in different areas, you know. There's a reason I'm not a banker, you know? So I think that just the lovely thought of your your neighborhood, you know, it wasn't anybody. It was just literally his neighbors around him. And how cool is that? And I, you know, and to be honest with you, I did the same thing in, for my neighbors. I took every neighbor around me, dinner and a bottle of wine, and I just said, you know, thank you for being my neighbor. And, I mean, you would have thought that I gave them a pot of gold because it was just a lovely, kind thing to do. And I think we need more of that. Mm-hmm. Well, I think during this conversation, it's easy to see why a catered affair has become such a success. I mean, you guys just, you care so much. You, it, It's giving those experiences to people that really affects you. Like that's why you do what you do. And I think that's what makes your company so special. So listeners, if you need an event catered, like a catered affair catered our company, uh, my my employer, King & Kings, our Christmas party, huge hit. Everybody loved it. It was a home run. So, you know, weddings, events, whatever you need, like they've got you covered there. They've got enough menus. They've got like three Harry Potter novels worth of menus. So whatever dish you need, they got it. But just stop into the cafe. Like I said, off State Street, it is like 
it's a pared down menu, but it's all delicious. There's awesome breakfast. I need to get in and try that burger. Like I already had the burger on my sites and then you guys reference it like three more times during this podcast. And I'm just like sitting here drooling. So that needs to happen. But anyway, I, I just, whatever food needs you have, just go to a catered affairs website and look around because they can probably meet what you're looking for. Uh, Scott and Kathy, thank you so much for taking the time to come on the podcast today. I could talk to you for hours probably, but you need to go back and do more prep work and keep those balloons in the air. But thank you for the time. Thank you so much for for having having us. us. Omaha, as always, thanks for eating with us. A Huda Media Production.